0: Welcome to this episode of the BioTechniques Talking Tech News podcast. Today, as part of our spotlight feature on the microbiome, I'll be talking to two experts on different sides of the topic from the company Metabolon: Annie Evans and David Foster. Annie is the director of R&D at Metabolon, and she received her PhD in chemistry from the University of Virginia, where her research focused on LCMS, in which she is now a well-renowned expert. The metabolomics and lipidomics platforms developed under Dr. Evans have been the analytical basis for thousands of commercial studies from over 700 institutions. David Foster is the Vice President of Data and Informatics at Metabolon. He received his PhD in Physics from the University of Calgary and has held a number of positions in industry, including software architect and CEO of a startup. So starting with Annie, please can you tell us about yourself and your role at Metabolon?
1: Yes, my name is Annie Evans, and I'm the Director of Research uh, and Development, as Tristan mentioned, at Metabolon. Uh, so my role is really to uh, improve our untargeted metabolomics methodology. So I, when I say improve, I mean things like, can I detect more compounds? Can I detect them with better precision? Uh, can I run a new sample type that we never knew that we could run before? So it's really about trying to push the technology um, really from a, you know types of instruments to we use, but also working with... Um, you know, I, uh, informatics teams, um, David, for, for example, uh, to really also move research forward in the terms of, uh, of the informatics approaches that we take to the data as well. But that's what I do at Metabolism.
2: As the leader of the software and uh, data science teams, um, just as Annie indicated, we work together with, um, with all the great uh, scientists in the company um, to uh, really enable and enhance the, the things that they can do. Um, you know, uh, all, of our, uh, all of our capabilities from finding these molecules to, um, to uh, figuring out their biological significance, that's all uh, sort of uh, enabled w- by some uh, informatics tools. Um, and also in leading the data science team, we um, leverage all of this historical data, uh, all of this experience that we've gathered uh, to be sort of continuously improving uh, what we can do through some uh, machine learning techniques.
0: Fantastic. So, Annie, could you tell us about something you're working on at Metabolon uh, at the moment that most excites you?
1: Yeah, you know, maybe it's because we're so excited to participate in your podcast today. One of the things that excites me most right now is microbiome research. Um, I like to use the analogy of it's, it's it's like having found a new organ in our bodies that we didn't know existed 20 years ago, right? We have discovered that there's this functional system in our body that if it's functioning well, we are doing well. And if it's not functioning well, we can become very ill. Um, And this is, you know, when in any scientist's life do you get to discover something so profound and how its impacts are on human health. Um, And so all of the aspects of that are just absolutely uh, enthralling right now in terms of how limited our understanding is of what bacteria are doing in our bodies and the molecules that they're producing and so it's just this incredibly rich area of new technology but also new biology and understanding it's it's incredibly exciting times
0: and David how about you what are you what are you working on at the moment that you find particularly exciting
2: you know I, I would echo, echo to some extent what what Annie said but in my own sort of domain you know with the microbiome being such a new area of focus you know finding all of the all of the relevant small molecules that that the microbiome is putting into the host biology that's all very interesting but then also just the opportunity to work on some of the uh, multiomics synthesizing our metabolomics data stream with the metagenomics data that's that's coming out as people look at at the uh, microbiome. That's also a, a really rich and interesting area that uh, that we're working on.
0: Okay, fantastic. And and what what area of the microbiome are you focusing on at the moment? What is it you're trying to find out about it?
1: Yeah. So um, we know a tremendous amount of mammalian biology, right? The the pathways of mammalian biology have been mapped. We were all tortured with it and biochemistry maps. Um, you know, all of those sort of uh, Chemistries are the ones that we know. We're actually surprisingly, uh, we don't know a lot about my, uh, bacterial metabolism, the types of molecules it's producing. So, inevitably, when we're going in and looking at samples that are really focused on microbiome, we're finding lots of what we call unknown molecules, right? These are molecules that, when you take their mass, you look at their fragmentation pattern, you search known databases which contain millions of structures, there are no hits, right? These are novel molecules that are coming out. And you can see right now that there's just starting to be publications that are coming out that are just saying, hey, look, we found this new molecule that this bacteria was producing. We didn't know that they did this. Um, and so a tremendous amount of what, what I'm working on right now is that, is, is diving into this data. And, and David and our IT team, this is an incredible joint collaboration between us to be able to do this because it involves so much mining of data and using machine learning techniques to do it. And I'll let David talk more about that, but to really go in and help us identify um, these molecules, which aren't known to mankind. Um, And that involves a lot of pretty traditional LCMS and NMR type technologies to figure these things out.
0: Okay, so to to follow on from um, that mention of LCMS there, uh, how have developments in LCMS impacted the study of metabolomics, uh, particularly in microbiomics?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, LCMS has been really pivotal, a pivotal technology in this area. Uh, you know, back when metabolomics or metabonomics, as some people called it back then, so many people are using NMR uh, to attempt to do this analysis. And one of the things that we know about NMR is that it has limited sensitivity. Um, and so you can't detect the range of molecules. So LCMS has been incredibly impactful. Uh, because of being able to expand the scope of detection of these metabolites, which some of them can be at quite low levels. But along the same time, we've had these incredible de- developments of LCMS technology. You know, when we started doing metabolomics, uh, you know, almost 20 years ago now, you know, we were using. Uh, standard HPLC. We weren't using, uh, you know, ultra high pressure HPLC or UPLC at that point. We were using low res mass spectrometry. Now most of the industry has uh, shifted over because of the ease of use of these systems to high res accurate mass mass spectrometry. All of these things give us incredible um, added insight into being able to detect molecules, being able to detect them more sensitively. Um, but now this richness of the data is also what's driving our ability to identify, you know, these new molecules. Um, again, it's 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 only the be able to the ability to resolve these molecules using advanced liquid chromatography systems that allows us to tell that there's, oh, there's actually a different isomer of that molecule under there that we didn't know about before. Um, and so it's been really both technologies rapidly improving. Even in, the, even in the 20 years, we've had, you know, major improvements in data quality and, and, uh, and, and what I mean by data quality is of the number of compounds we can detect, the precision with which we can detect them, all of which is driving our ability to do metabolomics and in particularly um, understanding these, all these novel molecules that are coming out of the microbiome.
0: And uh, alongside LCMS, what, what other techniques are beginning to improve these studies?
1: Yeah, so I talked about before a little bit, um, NMR is, um, because of the novel molecules that are coming out, uh, we're having to re- go to, you know, mass spec has incredible abilities, but there are some times when, you know, you can fragment a molecule and you can tell the pieces of the molecule, but you're not 100% sure how all of those atoms finally interconnect. You can do a lot of work with synthesizing standards, but if the chemistry is difficult or actually the synthetic method to make the molecule is quite complicated, as sometimes they can be, you know, determining the structure of a molecule can be fairly difficult. So we do have to, you know, um, go back and use some fairly, you know, fundamental chemistry in the form of, you know, analytical, um, sorry, in the form of, you know, something like NMR to be able to figure out what these structures are of some of these incredibly novel molecules. You know, and I think uh, metabolomics and LCMS is an incredibly important part of of, uh, microbiome research, but I see so much of the technology of improving it being related to, you know, sort of David's work. Um, How can we use the data that we're determining to understand the chemistry, to understand what we're detecting? So I see a lot of the advancements coming from the, you know, software and data mining side of this.
0: So, David, do you have anything to add on that um, the software side of things?
2: Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I think that, um, you know, in addition to obviously all the work that we're doing together to find new molecules, I think just in terms of what we're observing to biological significance, there's a huge amount to be done. You know, there's been some really interesting work measuring the uh, impact of alpha diversity or the, the changes in the uh, composition of, um, of, of microbes in your gut. Uh, and and how we can actually read that out in the metabolomics in your in your plasma, so uh, you know you can actually see the functional output of changes in your microbiome uh, showing up right there in the in the compounds that we detect in your uh, in your blood, and so that that's some great work from uh, Nathan Price's group um, that uh, that you know that showed some of that um, using uh, using our data. Uh, the, or the metabolomics data that we can generate. Um, and so I think that's sort of an, an indication of the real ability of metabolomics to act as an integrator of all of these other sort of data streams, whether it's you know the influence of your genomics or your diet or your lifestyle or your microbiome, which actually plays an important role in modulating and interacting with all of those things. You know, the, All of that shows up in the metabolomics. Uh, and so there are some incredibly interesting data questions in, you know, tracking back each of those small molecules through what that's uh, causally implicating uh, and what that's telling you that, uh, that, you know, we're excited to work on and that we're in a position to work on because of this, um, this unique technology that we've built.
0: And uh, so what challenges do you face in the um, metabolic studies um, of the microbiome?
1: Interesting. You know, we've already highlighted a couple of them in that um, the microbiome is this brand new entity, right? We've been studying microbes for a very long time, but how the molecules that they are producing interact with humans—you know—so uh, much research in the microbiome space right now has been heavily focused on things like short-chain fatty acid production, but that's really a very small amount of what the microbiome is producing and how it, it, it—you know—functionally what its function is within the body. You know, we talk about, there's this sort of catchphrase, it's like, well, do you know what your bugs are doing? Um, you know, we have all of these uh, bugs, quote-unquote, in our body, um, and we know very little about what they do. What we do know is that most of the or most of the, uh, the way that they, commun- quote-unquote, communicate with the host is through the production of these small molecules. Right, So they produce butyrate, and that has anti-inflammatory effects, but they also produce a lot of other molecules. And one of the really interesting areas of research right now is this idea of the gut-brain axis. Right, So we know that the state of the microbiome in one's gut has direct impacts on neurological health, and we've seen over and over again a lot of publications showing connections between autism, Parkinson's, uh, you know, Alzheimer's, you name it, there's been implications of a microbiome. And it's really interesting because those are two really unique and differentiating in space, right? You have your gut and your brain. So that means that there's got to be molecules being produced and are molecules being produced by the gut, which then can enter the blood system of an organism and then get across the blood-brain plane. <laughs> <laughs> blood-brain barrier, excuse me, and actually have an impact on neurological systems. And we've been able to see that by smalling, by, by, by observing the small molecules because that entire communication pathway is being, mo- is being conducted through small molecules in the system. So metabolomics is really just an in incredible technology, incredibly powerful technology to help us map and understand the function of these microbes, it's not just which microbes are there, um, it's also about what they're doing and primarily about what they're doing. We also know, interestingly enough, that the metabolic function of a lot of microbes are quite similar, right? So at the end of the day, it may not necessarily matter that you have this microbe versus that microbe. It's what is the metabolic activity? What is the metabolic function of those different microbes in the gut? And understanding what the function, whether for for the betterment of the host system or for the, the detriment of the host system, but it's really about understanding you know, those different aspects.
0: So have you got any ideas at the moment um, about what uh, potential metabolites from these, um, these microbes could be impacting on the, um, the gut-brain gut axis? There's
1: a number of really great pop, uh, uh, publications showing specific molecules that are produced by the gut that then enter into the blood system. And the really interesting thing about these studies is what you can do is studies where you actually sort of track the molecule, right? You can watch the sample Uh, You can look at the feces of the individual, but then you can also collect the plasma of the individual. So in that way, you can see what microbes and molecules are in the feces, what is actually getting out of the gut, making it into the plasma. And then you can actually go all the way to actually doing uh, cerebral spinal fluid. Now, we try to avoid doing any tapping of the spine or cerebral spinal fluid. So inevitably, you want to try to find these diagnostics in the cerebral, uh, sorry, in the plasma. But that actually brings up, you talked about the sort of challenges uh, of this space. And one of the things is, uh, one of the biggest challenges is really collection of samples, right? Um, whether you're looking in feces, um, you know, collection of feces is quite difficult. The standard uh, of practice right now is fresh frozen. And hopefully I'm not going to be too graphic here, but it's really hard to have somebody to go into a clinic and provide a sample uh, of that particular sample on demand, right? That's not how our bodies work. So there's a challenge in this area in terms of fecal collection, which we are actively working on to try to make it a little bit more easy for people to be able to do fecal collection uh, for metabolomics. But with that said, even plasma collection, you know, you have to have a phlebotomist, you have to go into a sample. So, you know, those are some challenges that we really want to make this more accessible to a wider community and a little bit easier uh, for people to be able to collect samples at home. And so we do work with dried blood spots for example, to be able to start looking at the effect of, um, you know, the microbiome in the plasma, but through instead of having to do a plasma collection through a phlebotomist, doing it through a dried blood spot collection. Um, So those are sort of the ways we're trying to help, you know, again, these challenges with the microbiome, but it's really about making it easier for people to get samples to study wider populations. It's
0: uh, it's certainly an interesting topic at the moment, that idea of making things more accessible for people to do at home. I know that there was a... um test for prostate cancer i think recently um that involved um an at-home urine collection test which had loads of benefits to it um and uh, obviously also un- almost unsurprisingly uh, most of the study participants much much preferred that method as opposed to the traditional methods of um prostate examination so um so yeah it's a it's very a very key area at the moment um yeah
1: about it, it's not even i mean don't underestimate the ease of ease of collection which means you're going to get more people that will continue to stay in your trials but the expense of it too hiring clinic uh, clinicians to staff a location to have people come in to send their samples and that's actually incredibly costly as well so one of the you know big issues with anything is you have to validate your findings. You have to test in larger populations, and particularly within the pharmaceutical industry, that becomes extraordinarily expensive. So anything you can do to aid any research that allows you know uh, lower collection costs will save, you know, again, money is not necessarily the be-all and end-all driver, but things that you can do to reduce the cost will allow us to have better, more powered studies in the long run. So at home... You know, really doing more and more at home collection has, I mean, benefits across the board, not even just for the person who's being asked to produce the sample.
0: Um, And so do you think that the that at home collection will begin to address some of the bottlenecks in solution in um, in studies? I know know this is also an area where, um, as you said earlier, um, AI and machine learning techniques will be able to um, to smooth out bottlenecks. But do you think, Annie, that that's um, something that could definitely help?
1: Absolutely. You know, we talked about before, one of the biggest bottlenecks, if you will, particular with feces, is is at-home collection. um, is is such an important part of this. Uh, And there's really currently no great way for people to do that. And we're actively working in this space. But no, uh, we really want to drive microbiome research. And so much of microbiome research is being done in feces and in blood and these are things that we know we can be able to find solutions for people to be able to do at home and be able to send their samples in Uh, and again the benefits of that are just are huge again and just in terms of opening expanding the realm of research
0: and uh and david once those samples have been collected and the uh, data has been collected um how do you begin to address that the sheer volume of, of data that's coming in from these kind of studies
2: yeah i mean i think you you uh, hit the key word there, which is, uh, which is volume, um, you know, I think um, in all of these sort of multiomic uh, studies, um, uh, you know, and, and especially even, uh, I- even in the microbiome space, uh, having a huge amount of data is, is great, but what we don't have are the key connections back to functional meaning, and, you know, that's where we think there's a lot of power in, in metabolomics, uh, and in, you know, building some tools to build those connections so, so we can tell you things like, this is who is in your gut, this is what they're doing in terms of influencing your, um, your uh, metabolome, and, you know, this is what that means in terms of uh, potential disease outcomes or, or links to other factors in, in your sort of endogenous biology. So uh, I, I think across the board, as in these sort of omics studies, what's really needed is a map to connect all of these different discrete pieces of data. Uh, I mean, you know, data floating around in isolation is just, is just kind of a morass of, of individual pieces. But uh, if you've got connections that you can draw between them, especially across the different omics, that's when you can really start identifying key drivers of biological signal and knitting together a story out of all of this data that you're producing. So I, I think that's, that's really one of the key, um, key challenges in terms of getting the most out of all of this wonderful data that we can now produce. And I, I think the way that we get there is these kind of machine learning approaches uh, driven by really carefully designed studies looking at all of these different different data streams and, and the connections between them.
0: And and do you have any um, specific examples of the machine learning approaches that you employ in the studies um, at the moment at Metabolon?
2: Uh, sure, uh, we, you know we actually um, have also been working on these sort of alpha diversity kind of metrics from uh, from the plasma metabolomics, basically building models to predict uh, changes in in the microbiome. Of, of individuals from what we can see in in the uh, metabolomics, but uh, you know I think that's really an area where we're uh, where we're really just getting started in terms of building up our access to the right sort of studies and samples where we can you know really track these things through to some interesting biological outcomes and start building that that sort of map. But, uh, but you know the, I, I mean I think the fortunate position that we're in is that the, the data stream that we're most familiar looking at, uh, this sort of metabolomics data that, uh, that connects so nicely, we know, to, to, out help, uh, to health outcomes um, is also kind of the integrator across all of these other inputs, you know, because it, it's really the place where everything, everything ends up having an impact from your, you know, from the microbiome to your, to your genes to, to everything else.
1: Yeah. And just to follow up on that for a second, you know, alpha diversity is this really interesting concept, right? We have a lot of research with people looking at microbiome genetically, right? So they're focusing in on understanding the exact species that are there. And then what we've learned with uh, quite a bit of research is, you know, that 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 the more, out, the more diverse your gut population, the more species you have, the more you know, uh, diverse that population of, of, of microbes in your gut, there's, there tends to be better health outcomes, right? So a lot of people within this area of microbiome research are really focused in on alpha diversity and understanding why is it that alpha diversity has such a positive or is shown to have such a, a seemingly such a positive impact on health. And so we were very interested in understanding, like, okay, well, you know, does this idea of alpha diversity within the genetic space, can that map, do you see that same sort of readback of alpha diversity in terms of genetic species in microbial uh, metabolites being produced? And what David is talking about, yes, we absolutely do, right? So you can absolutely see that the alpha diversity, which is traditionally more thought of to being uh, determined by a genetic, by a genetic readout of, uh, of the microbiome species that are present, you can actually see an increase in the diversity of molecules that are being produced as well, right? So that's that exact um, tie-in between the sort of this diversity of species. It's also producing a richer, uh, you know, profile of metabolites too. And so now the next question is, okay, well, what is that diverse metabolite profile doing for you, right? It is more compounds, different compounds, which means more compounds that can enter into the periphery. So again, it's, it's understanding that tie between the genetic makeup and the, metabol- the small molecule metabolomics makeup.
0: Okay, so, so to talk about what our microbiome might be able to do for us, um, what are the potential impacts of the microbiome in, uh, in precision medicine, which is obviously a, a very rapidly developing area at the moment?
1: Yeah, this is such an incredible area of research. So Metabolon has been, um, it, we've been doing work with, with wanting to move precision, um, well, precision metabolomics into the precision medicine space. Uh, we actually do, um, not focused on the microbiome yet, uh, but right now we actually do clinical metabolomics every week. So we have, we work with a number of different health systems in the United States and abroad, um, and they send us clinical samples every week, and we do a metabolomic screen of their individual patient samples and help them triage their samples um, to be able to, to look for, you know, things like uh, inborn errors of metabolism. So if you have a mutation in genetic code, that can lead to, you know, very big signatures in the metabolomics. And so we help them rapidly identify potential disease signatures in these samples, and then they can go into and do confirmatory diagnostic testing. So we use metabolomics as this sort of high-level screen of a lot of potential metabolic signatures, right? Because it is such a rich data stream. Not, as, not only does it tell you, um, you know, about uh, you know your genetic code, it tells you about your lifestyle factors. So precision medicine um, is a really incredible application. And when I think about you know the future of metabolomics. I want every person in the United States to have their, uh, you know, untargeted metabolomics done on their system because the amount that we will be able to learn about human health is, is going to be unprecedented. And I say that without batting an eyelash. You know, we have done quite a lot of, of, of precision medicine studies where we look at an individual sample and compare it to a healthy population, and you can absolutely see signatures of, of where people are outlying and what does that mean and how can we help. Um, so the same is, is can absolutely be said in the microbiome space, right? Now, particularly as we, we overcome these challenges within the microbiome space of sampling, which we already talked about, um, but even even if you think about traditional plasma samples with microbiome research and precision medicine, you will be able to see if somebody has, for example, metabolites that we know to be associated with chronic fatigue syndrome, right, or molecules that we know to be um, consistent with low alpha diversity scores, Um, and so that rapidly becomes an area of potential treatment that a doctor could potentially use, right, and I highlight the doctor part here because um, it's incredibly important that any of this work that we do, we do with the medical community, right, and we really want to work closely with the medical community because metabolomics is so powerful, um, I think this really could really impact human health. And so we really want to bring awareness to the medical community, into our educational system, to be able to start highlighting the amount of information that can be brought to healthcare care by looking at small molecules. And this isn't so radical, right? I mean, every time you go and get your blood tested with your doctor, you get your glucose tested, you get your cholesterol tested, right? We test these small molecules because they inform on, on important diseases, you know, diabetes and heart, you know, uh, cardiovascular uh, health. So just imagine now expanding out from those 10 to 15 molecules to thousands of molecules in plasma. um, This is really has impact in in being able to help, um, to help how we treat um, ourselves and how our doctors treat us. So again, I'm really excited to think about microbiome moving uh, into precision medicine because just Like any disease, there are going to be signatures of disease, and if you can help the medical community know what those signatures are, you can help treat them. Sorry, that was a long answer to your question, but
2: yeah.
0: (laughs) No, it was a long answer, but it was a good one. It was fascinating. Um, David, have you got anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I think just to drill specifically in on the microbiome, um, you know, there's a tremendous amount of evidence that, uh, you know, dysbiosis of the gut, which, I mean, as we've talked about a lot today, we think um, shows up very clearly in in your metabolome, um, that that influences all sorts of diseases like inflammatory bowel disease. But even outside of, um, you know, sort of uh, your intestinal system, there are links to asthma, cardiovascular disease, metabolic disorders, uh, more generally, things like type 2 diabetes and liver disease. Um, and, you know, even neurological diseases, um, there are some really interesting case studies with respect to, you know, epilepsy, um, you know, which you can see refractory epilepsy being treated by ketogenic diets. Like, I mean, you know, that is, um, that's being driven, we think, by changes in, um, in, in the metabolite profile that you are ending up with. Um, things like ALS, um, Alzheimer's, uh, but, I mean, also just beyond, like, Identifying or understanding the impact on specific disease states, it also has a huge impact on treatment. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of interest in uh, the metabolome and uh, a, a, as a readout for the gut microbiome uh, in helping distinguish responders versus non-responders to a lot of uh, a lot of new therapies. So, um, you know, the microbiome um, is really central to a lot of diseases, um, and the uh, metabolome can be a great way to uh, to understand how that impact is uh, occurring
0: fascinating i um, i think it, certainly ketogenic diets are a, a really interesting topic at the moment i saw something recently about them um impacting uh the decline of cognitive or cognitive decline um potentially slowing it so uh it's it's really interesting to see the link between um the microbiome the metabolomics of that microbiome things that you eat and then how that can then later affect you and uh, and your brain which um It's not necessarily something that you could make an instant connection between. Um, So I think that's all we've got time for, unfortunately, uh, today on the Talking Technies news episode um, on the microbiome. Um, Thank you so much for joining us, Annie and David. It was really fascinating to speak to you. have you got any last words you'd like to add?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, again, I appreciate you bringing awareness to you know the community about microbiome research. It is incredibly exciting and it is just a thrilling area of research to be in right now. And I appreciate you, you know, bringing this to your readers, your readers, to your listeners.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you very much once again. If you'd like to hear more of our podcast, you can find them in the podcast section of our website. Join us next month for the next edition of the Biotechniques Talking Tech News podcast. And uh, I'll see you later. Goodbye.